Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Always delighted to welcome Andrew Ferguson to the podcast to talk about transitions, Donald Trump, and chaos. You know, Andy, there's this bizarre meme going around the media. Transitioning into the White House is supposed to be kind of like, you know, changing your mail service. You send in a card and it's all done. It's not usually that easy, is it? No, no. I think the press is kind of fishing around for a, a way to renew the argument argument about Trump and Trump's competence and all that stuff. The the transition is in disarray story has now become a ideological incoherence story, which is, you know, Trump is is, uh, promoting uh, Mitt Romney on the one hand and Rudy Giuliani on the other, and there's Mike Flynn in there, and it, you know, and it, there's no coherence to the way it shows that really he's an empty vessel and all blah 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 blah, which may or may not be true, but it's just it's one of these manufactured stories. If you go back through um, history, you see that really from John Adams on up. Uh, <laughs> Transitions have been in disarray at one time or another. It's just the way it goes. Before we get to the Nixon transition, and he was a guy who knew something about uh, politics, I, my favorite spin by the media, who have completely gutted that they, they committed harikiri or seppuku, seppuku, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. I mean, <laughs> completely gutted their incredibility. They have no, zero credibility. Literally in 24 hours, the New York Times and Maggie Haberman, or as she's known through the WikiLeaks John Podesta emails, old reliable, because they said we can reliably, <laughs> Clinton could reliably count on her, went during the week of Thanksgiving from Trump is completely out of disarray. It's taking him too long. He's not going to have any announcements anytime soon, too. Well, he's announcing before Thanksgiving because he wants to distract everybody yes, and the, all the country. He's worried. So I'm sorry, which one? He's so yeah. incompetent he can't get it done, or he's so super competently evil that he's you know, using his Jedi mind tricks on us? Yeah. Well, one, one reassuring thing about Trump, and I don't find very many reassuring <laughs> things about Trump, but what, one thing is I really don't think he's going to give a damn about what the New York Times thinks about him, which is always the crippling weakness of Republican politicians when they get in power. I agree completely. My nickname for John McCain throughout much of the uh, 90s and 2000s was R-New York Times Editorial Board, (laughs) because that was his one constituency he truly cared about. So uh, Richard Nixon, lifetime in politics, spent eight years as the vice president. He finally gets elected in 1968. you know, uh, reelected in 72. Who could have an easier transition than that pro, right? right? Andy right. Ferguson? No, I, what, were you, what lead? do you know? What do you know? Well, you know, it just so happens I wrote a story about that in the Weekly <laughs> Standard. Do we have a clip? <laughs> um, uh, well, what, what I wanted to emphasize in all this talk about, you know, Trump disarray and blah, 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 is that it, there's one sense in which a lot of this talk about personnel doesn't matter because uh, when you look through history, it's very hard for a president to get anything done. And uh, I cite two examples from this brilliant memoir that William Sapphire wrote in 1975 after he'd left uh, Richard Nixon after working for him for for many years. And uh, it's, it's just a one, it's one of the great Washington books ever. But he has a couple of examples about where, you know, the president says, okay, I want X done. X is not a very big thing. X doesn't entail a lot of fighting or shouldn't, and it ought to just be done. It's perfectly meritorious policy. There was something called the Board of Tea Tasters that uh, Sapphire had come across, which was something that had been in place since 1897, cost about $200,000 a year. Three guys 
sat on a panel twice a year and tasted imported tea. <laughs> now, the FDA was already testing tea for all right. kinds of purposes. Uh, but for some reason, this the board of tea tasters never went away. And so uh, Nixon said, well, let's make an example of them. Let's get rid sure. of them. And he tried to dismiss them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... There's a few congressmen. There's one here and one there. Are you sure we want to get, I I mean, we want good tea in the United States. We don't want to import terrible. And it turns out, of course, that they're doing the bidding of some imported tea companies that actually liked the the board of tea tasters and so on. And finally, a court order was issued insisting that the president reinstate the tea tasters. And... um, you know, it's just simply, it's just much harder to do. And I think Nixon kind of learned something like that. The, the other one. I have to ask you, know. you in on behalf of our listeners here at the Weekly Standard Podcast, are we still federally subsidizing government tea tasters? No, no. I'm happy to report that Nixon finally was successful because Congress defunded the tea tasters in 1996, which is 20 seven years after he proposed getting rid of them, and actually two years after he himself died. So it's too bad he didn't get to live to see the end of the tea So he finally broke the tea taster union, finally, all three of them? All three of them, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a three-legged stool. You have another example for it? Yeah, the the other one, one of my favorite ones is uh, Nixon uh, would drive around in his limousine, and there were a bunch of really unsightly buildings on the north side of the mall along Constitution Avenue that mm-hmm. were called tempos. Tempos meaning temporary structures, and they had been built in 1918 for World War I to house some naval officers, and by 1969, they were still there. Uh, that's Washington's idea of temporary. And so Nixon issued an order to get those as he would uh, put it, get those goddamn eyesores off the goddamn mall. (laughs) And uh, so sure enough, um, the order went out, and drumroll, nothing happened. And so over the next 16 months, the Navy came and gave gave, – with charts and graphs to give presentations (laughs) in the Roosevelt Room to show why these essential office buildings, and and it would wreak economic havoc. It would upend all (laughs) national security concerns if these things were taken. It was just a classic case of Washington foot dragging. And um, the details, which are in the article, are are really kind of amusing. Alas, I hate to report, but Nixon actually did win that one after – incredible amounts of back and forth. And the the things uh, finally came down, I believe, at the end of 1970, which was a mere 16 months after he had given a very <laughs> straightforward, uncomplicated order to tear the things down. One last question. What is it that the typical person who maybe feels some pressure when they get up in the morning to go to work, do a decent job, do things that generally make sense as best they can and come home, what should they expect from a Trump administration, from government in general as we go through this transition into the first 100 days? Well, we've talked about this before. You know, it would be nice if if Trump's ultimate effect was to make people give up on government in the sense <laughs> that, that, you know, it's not the most important thing in your right. life. If it is the most important thing in your life, then something has gone very wrong with the country. And if Trump, even if he does a terrible job, it may make you sick of thinking about the government because he's so <laughs> awful. That would be a kind of salutary thing. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this podcast. I also want to thank the temporary tax on the Spanish-American War for helping fund the creation <laughs> of the Internet that we were able to to use 
to transmit this podcast. Remember it, the main. Remember the main. It finally went away, too, oh. by the way. It's been now replaced with to, another I'm cell sure phone tax. So, but at least we're not at least we've done we're done paying for the Spanish American War. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. Also check in at Podcast One for our every Friday podcast with Bill Crystal, the Crystal Clear Podcast. You can find all these on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll never miss another podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham.